day because this value will will drive and motivate us with all the other values that we hold to and aspire to be and that is obeying God's commands um Jesus says this in John 14 verse 15 he says if you love me you will keep my commandments Now, I could go in a hundred different directions today talking about the commandments that God would have us keep. You know, I could think, I could talk about things that we need to be doing. We need to live holy lives. We need to be praying. We need to be tithing. We need to be going to church. And, and, uh, these are all things that God says are important. I could be talking about things to avoid today. Uh, t- talking about, uh, not to be, not to get drunk or, uh, not to be unequally yoked or to avoid bad company. Um, and these are things that God commands as well. And, and I could, uh, conclude our service this morning, talk about, talk about those do's and don'ts and you would all have, uh, uh, a glassy eyed look as you would leave this place and, uh, probably feeling, um, under great conviction because you're not doing, uh, many of those things. Um, we're looking at Matthew chapter 22 this morning and, um, the, uh, one of the scribes asked Jesus, uh, I think a very sincere question. The scripture says that they were testing him. But I think the question was sincere because um, the Pharisees, they wanted to know. There were 613 laws that that the Pharisees could find in Scripture that the Jews were to, to adhere to. And the Pharisees would love to get together and they would like to debate what the most important uh, laws were to live by. And so here we find this this scribe in, in verse 34, and he asks um, Jesus a question. Verse 34 says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. He's asked this question, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus doesn't even hesitate. He goes first to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it. Then he goes to Leviticus. He quotes Leviticus chapter 18, and or chapter 19. And let me just read verses 18 and 34 that Jesus is referring to. It's in your handout. Moses says this, or God says through Moses, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. I am the Lord. And then he goes and talks about the alien that's among them. In verse 34, he says, And you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Jesus says, what's the greatest commandment? He says, you shall love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, he says, this is the law and the prophets. Look at verse chapter 7, verse 12. He says, so whatever you wish, whatever you wish that others would do to you, to also to them, for this is the law and the prophets, the golden rule, all right? Whatever, however you want people to treat you, that's the way you need to treat others. You need to love others just as much as you love yourself. Uh, the first villain, I'm, I'm sorry I skipped over the first villain, but the, the first part about what Jesus was talking with, about these two commandments is to love God and love others. And I want to start first with loving others. Jesus thought this was, this was very important, that, uh, that this was, in loving others, this was the law of the prophets. Paul said the same thing. In Romans chapter 13, he says this in verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love, loving of your neighbor is a date, is a debt that we never cease paying. It is to go on and on. We as followers of God must continue continually be loving not just to those who are like us but be loving to all people we just sang about the nail scarred hands and that that uh, Jesus wore the crown of thorns and he took he he took the nails in his hands and his feet And he died. He shed his blood for all people. Not just the elect. He died. He suffered and died for all people. And as he is loving, so we are to be loving. And as we are loving, Jesus says, this is the law of and the prophets. That means as we love others, we are exemplifying, we are filling up 
the law and the prophets here and now. Loving others is important. Now, just because Jesus said loving others is the law and the prophets doesn't mean that we are to neglect our love for God. You know, love for God with Paul and with Jesus, it's something that is implied, okay? So loving others is important and fulfilling the great commandment, loving God second is important as well. Jesus says it back in Matthew chapter 20, 22, first of all, you must love God with all your heart and soul and mind. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. He says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his son's own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If we're going to fulfill this great command, we can't do it outside of loving God first. I mean, we've got, we've got to be, He has got to be our life. He has got to be our all in all. And if we are loving God with our being, of all of who we are, guess what? We can't help but reach out to those who need our love as well. The two go hand in hand. You can't love others in the spirit or in the flesh. You can only love others in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, this is the greatest commandment. And this is the value, church, that we need to embrace, that needs to control our behavior, motivate our lives, is fulfilling the great commandment in loving God, in loving others. Why? Because as we fulfill that great commandment, number three, we are aligning ourselves with his great redemption story. We are aligning ourselves with what the Bible is all about. Look at Matthew 22, verse 40. The Bible says, verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That's the New King James Version. In other versions, uh, it will say, on these two commandments hangs or demands the law, all the law and the prophets. Loving God and loving others are critical to the law and the prophets. Why? Well, loving God, number one, A, it's invisible. When we love God, it's not necessarily something people can see. It's, it's something spiritual. It's something between you and God. But when we love others, this is the visible expression 
and practical continuation of the redemptive, the redemption story, including our love for God. As we, as we love others, we are, we are participating in this ongoing redemption story. I, I spent, I spent all last year going through this book talking about the big story. And the big story is God is wanting to redeem people who are separated from him. He is wanting to redeem them back to himself. And he does it through the person of Jesus Christ. And as you read through the Old Testament, the Old Testament is pointing to the innocent, unblemished, perfect Lamb of God who is coming to give his life for humanity. Old Testament points to the cross. The Gospels is all about the cross. Jesus Christ came to die for the sin of mankind. And then the New Testament is taking that story of the cross and spreading it to the ends of the earth. But the story doesn't end in revelation the story the story in revelation is yet to come and we are the church and god wants his church to take this gospel message to the ends of the earth and we are participating in this great story of redemption when we love god and when we love other people it is the manifestation, the practical application of this great story of the Bible. And so in your handout this morning, I, I, I've mentioned this, Emmanuel's mission, and, and then I also included in Emmanuel's members, must be obedient to the gospel story and seek to glorify him through the redemption and reconciliation of all. All people, of all people, not just certain people that look like us, that that sing like the like us, that that um, uh, dress like us. No, as a church, we need to be obedient to God's command of loving Him and loving others, and that others includes all people love for all people allows us to participate in the redemption story who are some of those all people i don't know if you get baptist press but um this last week there was a story about an atheist in texas um who has kind of fought the church over uh, a nativity scene on um, on city property, and uh, he wanted to see that removed. Well, um, let me just share what Baptist Press uh, talked about. His name is Patrick Green. An atheist cab driver from San Antonio had said he said he found uh, the placement of the nativity unconstitutional and intended to use the legal system to force a judge to order its removal. That is, until he began losing his vision 
of a detaching retina. With surgery on the horizon, no health insurance, and a job that he could no longer maintain with his deteriorating eyesight, Green realized he needed to focus his energies and finances on life's necessities, leading him to withdraw his lawsuit. When Jessica Cry, a member of Sand Springs Baptist Church in Athens, Texas, found out, she called her pastor, Eric Graham, to see if he had heard the news. Not only about the dropped suit, but Green's health. Uh, Green's health. Cry asked Graham if their church could help him, and Graham's answer was simple: "Sure, we can help him." Graham told her. Graham said he didn't need to take time to pray about the matter or to mull it over, because Christ had already provided an answer. We don't need to pray about it, Graham said. We already have given the command. Been We have already been given the command to do it. Cry began to organize an effort to send support to the Greens, and Graham explained to the church that they had an opportunity to show Green the love of Christ. Green did not accept the offer of the church to pay for his eye surgery, but eventually agreed to let the church help him with bills and rent, which were becoming increasingly difficult to maintain, with medical costs stacking up and no job to bring in the income. Green said when he agreed, he and his wife never thought the church would actually follow through and send them money. My wife said, we'll never get that, Green said. Two days later, a check of four, for $400 came in the mail. We were totally flabbergasted. flabbergasted. Donations have not ended, though. And he goes on to say this, no Christian at all that we ever met in our lives had ever been nice to us, Green said. No Christian has ever done anything for us. Our families have totally forgotten our existence, and strangers, Christians and atheists all around the country are helping us. One of the things Jesus said, said to do was love your neighbor as yourself. These people are acting like real Christians. Green said he and his wife have received enough money to get caught up on rent, bills, and taxes, and that the surprise of the Christian's generosity and selflessness has not worn off. We are literally still in a state of shock, Green said. I feel like we are in the twilight zone. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. For you see, when we do that, when when we kind of tear off the skin of ourselves and put it on others that God wants us to love and look at those people as if they are ourselves, then we are involving ourselves in the great redemption story. And God is using that in lost people's lives. He is preparing their hearts. Bible says this, and, and Jesus says this in Matthew 5:16, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In order for people to give glory to our Father who is in, who is in heaven, guess what? We've got to reach out to them in love. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave. 
And we are no more like God than when we give, when we love. And that's what the Bible is all about. Love is the origin and the goal of the law and the New Testament and law and the prophets. And my friend, may God be cutting us to the core as we look at this first value of being obedient to God's commands, that we love him and that we love others. As I was preparing this message, God so convicted my heart. And he spoke through the life of a child uh, yesterday in strategic leadership planning. Miss Maddie May is right over there. Maddie, would you raise your hand? Maddie, she's a, are you a fifth grader or a fourth grader? Fourth grader at Las Flores? Yeah. I don't know if you remember a message that I was uh, speaking probably back in November. Um, But there was a lot of noise in our community at that time about uh, an employee at Las Flores that was working in food services. And he was a man dressing like a woman. Uh, in this elementary school. And I didn't come across very loving. You know, I was very concerned about the, the environment, the world that we live in. And, you know, sin is all around us. And it's important that as a church that we be that light. Little did I know the light that really needed to be displayed with this individual who is very sexually confused. He needed love. And when lots of parents, including your pastor, were up in arms about what was happening in the school, in the school, and the school wasn't doing anything about it, instead of being repulsed by the idea, little Maddie was concerned about this individual. And instead of avoiding him, she wanted to get to know him. She wanted to love him and show the love of Christ to him. The great commandment to love God and to love others as you love yourself is not a law just for us here in this room. As difficult as that sounds, go back to Leviticus chapter 18. God tells Israel that you need to love the sojourner. You need to love the alien who is not among you as if that person was of your own race. Love one another. That's the love that needs to be motivating us, church, to do what we do. The application for the morning, this morning's message is make yourself seeking 
the measure of your self-giving. As you take your skin and put it on somebody else and you see yourself in that person, you love that person as much as you would love yourself. This message has been humbling for me. Because I would have been one of those people who would have avoided that sexually confused person. Instead of being loving to them. And being loving doesn't mean I condone their behavior. Jesus was a friend among sinners. And he had a bad reputation among the self-righteous. But Jesus hung out with prostitutes, with drunkards, with tax gatherers. Not being one of them. But just letting them know that he cared where they were at. Church, we need to be that way. We need to be that way in our community. And we need to be that way in our church. Now, that doesn't mean that we just water down the gospel. and We just let everybody in. We're just going to love everybody and embrace their lifestyle and just be like the world. No. That's liberalism. As a church, it's important that we stand for truth. We stand for truth in love. And I know there's a tension there. But this is a value that we must embrace as God's people. That we're going to love him with all of who we are. And that we are going to love others like we love ourselves, And I do a pretty good job at loving myself. And you can say the same thing about you. But we need to take that self-seeking love and make it a self-giving, a self-serving love. And when that's our attitude, that's something that's going to drive our behavior, guess what? It's going to be reflected in our giving. It's going to give, be reflective in, in how we serve here have, as we give of ourselves, of our time, of our talents, and even our resources. That as we give, we know that this is not going to just serve ourselves, but this is going to help spread the redemptive story to the ends of the earth. As we give, we're, we're giving to help God bless them. God, Garen and Susan Harris, who have loved God with all their heart and they're loving others as much as they love themselves to the point where they have, they've, they've sold it all here and they've left family and friends and they've gone to a very dark part of the world to share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. As you give to the budget here, that budget helps goes go to resource Garen and Susan. 
It goes to help resource church planting and not just church planting of white churches, but ethnic churches. An Hispanic church began just last Sunday in Mojave. They had 60 in attendance last week. Now, a lot of them were from the Adelanto church that's supporting this plant, as well as our Hispanic church. And so we don't know how many were from the community of Mojave, but it was a great start. Continue to pray for Luis and, and Carmen. But it will be reflected in, in serving him. And loving others as we love ourselves. It, it will be reflected in our programming. That our programs won't just be about ministering among ourselves here. And how to prepare uh, to equip our own families. But we'll be looking through an, a re- redemptive lens that says, What kind of programs are we going to provide that are going to help families out there who are struggling in marriages and in parenting and in loss of jobs, et cetera, et cetera? How how can we provide resources here to touch their hearts, to reach atheists like Patrick Green who are disillusioned about the church? Here's where I really got in trouble. First service. It'll be reflected in how we worship. Our style of worship. Our worship won't be about us, but our worship will be about what is going to be attractive to those who need to hear the gospel message. Something was shared yesterday that I found very interesting. Someone said, we need to be the kind of church where we can all worship together. And not necessarily at the same time, but our, our worship services are identical. And church, for us to get there, We have all got to die to our own personal preference. And say to ourselves, it's not about what I want, what I like. It's about what it's going to take for us to reach those who've never heard or given their lives to Jesus Christ. That's the kind of church we need to become. And you know why we're not there? Because I've been selfish. You know, I've tried to tweak worship styles. And in tweaking those worship styles, styles, I've encountered a lot of flack. When Jim Ricks was here, he encountered a lot of flack. Even recently, I encountered a lot of flack. And so we have these two services Preaching's the same, but the worship's different. And from an outsider looking in, it doesn't look like we love each other very much. 
But you know who's to blame? I'm to blame. Because when, I re- when I've received that flack, I've backed off. I've compromised because I want to keep everybody happy. And I don't want to experience the pain of change. So I, I'm to blame because I haven't moved us forward. I've been protecting my own personal turf. Okay? That's wrong. It's not about me. It's not about any one of us here. It's not anybody, about any, anybody in the eight o'clock service. It's about him. What is going to please him? What is going to please him is when we live by faith and launch out in what he is calling us to do. And we love him. We take the risk. We, we, he is our life. And then we love others as much as we love ourselves. God will awake the sleeping giant. So pray. Pray first for yourself. Has your love been self-centered, self-focused about you, your family? It's about loving all people. And as we partake, as we participate, we join the great redemptive story when one day at the conclusion of Revelation, every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be worshiping around the throne of God because the people of God chose to love all people. May we be that kind of church. Let's pray. If you need to ask God for forgiveness right now in an area where you have not been loving towards someone who needs your love, it's not too late for a do-over. Let God change your heart. Fall in love with God. Take your skin off of yourself and put it on somebody else and love that person like you'd love yourself. Father, thank you for Maddie May. And her desire to love. And want to get to know somebody who was repulsed by so many others. Help us to be like her. Because that's what Jesus would do. Help us to be that kind of church. I don't know how we're going to get there, God. But I'm trusting that you're going to show us the way and you're going to show us the way together.
Thank you for your great command. May it change how we live our life for you. There's a person that God's placed on your heart. Would you just pray for yourself and that individual right now? What can you do? that God will use to touch that individual. God's inviting you. My friend, join him in his great redemptive story. In Jesus' name, amen.